undefeated in the NBA's in-season tournament after a back-and-forth game against the Miami Heat. The Bucks get it done, 131-124, 4-0 in the NBA's in-season tournament, and they now are the number one seed in the knockout stages of the NBA's, yes, again, I think this is the third time I'm saying it, in less than 30 seconds, the NBA's in-season tournament. Rowdy, the Bucks, the one seed, baby. Let's go. How are we feeling? Yeah, so uh, <laughs> did you watch that game last night? I, I watched some of it. Not all of it, some of it. I watched near the end. I watched three out of four quarters. Did you skip the first? No, I watched the first. I watched the second. The third quarter slash halftime, I kind of went up and showered, got ready for uh, bed, and then watched the fourth quarter. Where all the action happens in the NBA. Yeah, I was, was focused, really focused on it for the last six minutes. Oh, yeah. All I know is total NBA game. You look up at the beginning of the game. Total, total NBA game. It's fifteen to two. The Milwaukee Bucks are winning, and you're like, "Oh wow, Milwaukee's gonna roll." Yeah. But, but hold on, it's the NBA. You look up. Uh, I think it was towards getting closer to halfway through the first quarter. All of a sudden, that fifteen to two lead is nineteen to fifteen bucks. Yeah, forty to twenty eight second quarter in favor of the Heat. Rowdy, forty points from the Heat in the four, in the second. Yeah, overall. Like, my big takeaway was watching that game, Chris Middleton was getting cooked on defense, but then you look up on the plus-minus, dude was plus 20. <laughs> right here, plus 20 on 7 of 13 shooting and getting absolutely cooked on defense. Yeah, but I'll tell you this, Chris Middleton actually did have a pretty good game towards the end. Like, the last five minutes, Chris Middleton had some pretty big buckets for the Bucks. The Bucks. And I saw Grant Bills tweet this out too. And after watching the game, like the Bucks are kind of disjointed throughout the game. Like they're still figuring each other out. But then at the end of the game, when it really matters in the NBA, they got bucket getters. They got dudes that can get buckets. And Rowdy, what's the most important thing in uh, in, in sports? And I guess the NBA in this conversation, isn't it scoring points? Well, I'd say it's scoring when you look at the fact that the game total was. 131 to 124. <laughs> yeah. Scoring is key. And the Bucks, despite being like not as good as defensively and maybe a little disjointed, they do have bucket getters. Uh, Giannis Dendekumbo, Damian Lillard combined what for 65 points and Chris Middleton scored 17, but down the stretch, the Bucks went on a 16 to six run, you know, six of five or five of six from the field. And then, you know, perfect from the charity stripe too at the end there. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it, that was like, I think you just said it, a perfect NBA game. Yeah, I mean, Malik Beasley was shooting the ball really, really well, too. Speaking of bucket getters, I mean, he was a guy that could go and get a bucket when the Bucks needed him. Yeah. Not that, you know, they're relying on Malik Beasley, but when a guy shoots roughly 50% from the field and 50% from three, I mean, that's a big boost, especially when... He's not one of your big three, four, maybe even five. Yeah. Uh, don't forget the Bucks, um, you know, what two, two games ago, two games previous ago, completed the biggest comeback in NBA this in the NBA this season, a 26-point deficit. And then they had a bunch of players score 30-plus points uh, in their second game after that. And then last night, you get them, um, you know, remaining undefeated in the in-season tournament. What did you think of the court? Our guy Kinger says, what, thoughts on the Miami's court? I was just going to make a comment on that again. I watched three out of four quarters. Did you get a headache? It was hard to watch, especially at the beginning. You're like, oh, my eyes. <laughs> the gr- so if, if you didn't watch it last night, the Miami's court in the NBA in-season tournament, they changed the courts. Uh, gaudy. How would you describe the court? Gaudy, like very colorful. 
Eastern Washington's football field, but on a basketball yeah, court. It, it was, was all red. It was all red, then a gray, like a like a matte gray strip in the middle, and then in the lane was yellow and black with the with the gray. Um, the Bucks white uniforms with the Heat's black uniforms didn't look bad on the court. It was gaudy. It didn't look bad on the court, but we've seen worse courts where it's like you can't even look at the TV. It's like the neon. There's like neon green and blues and and uh, it was it was is gaudy, but it wasn't it wasn't the worst court of all the NBA in season tournament. But, well, now I see that the uh, the Bucks obviously win Group B, <laughs> and now they are going to be playing the New York Knicks, who are the wild card. Yeah, in the knockout round, already beat the Knicks. <laughs> yeah. Let's see if the, the, the Bucks can't turn it back. I think I saw that the game was either going to be the 4th or the 5th of December. It's next Tuesday, I do believe. Next, So the Bucks played tomorrow night, but that's regular season. And then next Tuesday is the next so that NBA would be the in-season fifth. game. Yeah, Because I saw it was depending on the matchups, it was 4th slash 5th. So if it's going to be on Tuesday, December 5th, I was looking at the Bucks schedule, and this was actually kind of crazy to me. We know that the Bucks are good. I mean, they won a championship in 2021. We know that they've been a top four team in the East every single year, basically, since 2018-19. Yeah. So they've been a legitimate title contender since about 2019. Like the last four or five years, the Bucks have been one of the better teams in the NBA. They had one televised game on national TV in the month of December. That's on Christmas. But... They didn't have the Interesting. in-season tournament listed on the schedule yet when I was looking oh, at it last yeah, night yeah. because they didn't know if they're going to win the game in advance or whatever. Yeah. But now that it's on the 5th, I'm going to guess that that would be a nationally televised game since all of them have been and they've featured the courts and they put them on and blah, blah, blah. But say it is, they have that game and they have one on Christmas, and then I guess if they would win in the in-game season, you know, in-season tournament, they probably would play another game. But, yeah, not a ton of games on national TV for the Bucks this month, no. which was weird because they had a lot, or I guess a decent amount, in November. And they have, like, six in January. That's weird. You'd think you'd have more in December, especially with, like, college football dropping off. And, uh, I don't know, that's, weird. that's strange. But, yeah, uh, yeah. so here's your here's your knockout rounds, Rowdy. In the East, Bucks are the one seed. The <laughs> the wild card or the fourth seed is the New York Knicks. The second seed is Indianapolis, the Pacers, and the third seed is the Boston Celtics. Out in the West, how about this? The L.A. Lakers, your one seed, and then um, what is it? The Sacramento is the fourth, and then uh, Pelicans are the third. And who the hell is the second seed right there? All I know is that if you're the Milwaukee Bucks, you already beat the Knicks. I think clearly this year, last year, the year before, the last for the while, the Bucks have been a better team than the Knicks. Uh-huh. You think they get past the Knicks here on next Tuesday? But after that, haven't they lost the Pacers and the Celtics already this year? Yeah, those have those have kind of been two of their nemesis early this season. They got spanked by the Celtics, and yeah, the Pacers are good this year. So. Uh... Look out! No, it would be the Suns. Sorry, the Suns are the uh, wild card, and then the um, yeah they have what they have f- five losses this year. Yeah, Celtics beat them, and yeah, the Pacers beat them. Only two against those two teams. Yeah, and um, I I do I, I'm pretty sure when they played against the Celtics, um, was was one of their big dogs was out. 
I think Tatum was out with an illness. I mean, Are we going to talk about that about last night too? Jimmy Butler was out. Yeah, what was he doing? Was it a sickness? He was out with a, I think it was a knee injury. Knee injury? What was he? He's he's missed the last couple of games. Yeah, I I wanted to see some Jimmy buckets. Uh, Kinger saying how bad Tyler Hero was. Um, you know, we all know him. Kevin Love. Stealing money. The, <laughs> Stealing money, Kevin Love. It, f- it felt like every time he put up a shot, it was a brick. But do you remember, was that just uh, last year? Or was that two years ago where Kevin Love was like an animal in the playoffs? Where he I think it was miss. last year. Yeah. I think it was last year. Yeah. Against Kevin Love all of a sudden like turned the, the clocks back and was like Kevin Love of old. Yeah. Yeah, he looked really old. Yeah, so you had no Tyler Hero, you had no Jimmy Buckets, you have Kevin Love out there stealing money. The Bucks still had to come back uh, and get it done. I'm not going to lie, that kid from UCLA, he looked pretty good. I, I mean, he scored a few times on Giannis. He made Chris Middleton look horrible. Uh, Chris Middleton's <laughs> defense looked like he was stuck in the mud. <laughs> He put a nasty spin move on Chris Middleton. Yeah. Um, I don't know. At the end of the day, it was entertaining at least. Like it was the NBA. You just, how do you, like, how would you describe the NBA to someone now that like, let's, let's say someone's in a coma. They are in a coma. How about this? From the nineties. They just woke up today and they're like, I love the NBA. Explain it to me. What is Michael Jordan still winning? <laughs> uh, sir, it's the regular season. Go back into a coma. <laughs> <laughs> sir, please, you can sleep in until uh, yeah, we don't need you until like July. So <laughs> we don't need you until the playoffs. No, I mean, I feel like I'm more focused coma. on the game and watching intently with that really horrible Monday night game between the Vikings and the Bears than I am with the Bucks and the Heat in an in-season tournament to finish out group play. It's like you don't need to the NBA though it doesn't matter till the fourth quarter. Like it doesn't it like doesn't matter till the well, fourth quarter. The Bucks came from twenty six down a uh, th- couple games ago in the fourth quarter. Here's here's one of the things. And the Bucks, like I said at the beginning of the game, the Bucks were up fifteen to two to start that game and you thought that they were just gonna run and hide. But then you know it's the NBA. The Bucks end up winning that quarter thirty one twenty two. But in the second quarter, Miami completely flips the script, yeah. outscores the Bucks forty to twenty-eight, and now you're sitting there, and it's sixty-two to fifty-nine, at, or at sixty-two to what? Uh, whatever it was, yeah, fifty, sixty-nine, whatever it was, nice. yeah. But you're like one quarter, the Bucks completely dominated. The next quarter, the Heat completely dominated. Then they play even in the third quarter, essentially. And then the game's figured out in the fourth quarter, yeah. which the Bucks won. I don't know if they're still doing it, but the NBA, there was there used to be a package. This was a couple of years ago before COVID in the before times where you literally could just buy the fourth quarter of NBA games and watch. I don't know if it's still a thing. I, I, I don't know if they were kicking around and it was like a long-term thing or what, but I remember Darren Ravel, a nerd, posting about it. You literally could just buy an NBA pass for the fourth quarter. That's essentially the NBA red zone. <laughs> yeah. All, all you need is the fourth quarter of the NBA. You're like, okay. Well, here's the thing. Uh, we opened up the show with it. You know, it was entertaining to say the least. Bucks are, despite everyone, not everyone, there's a big Bucks Twitter discourse about how uh, Adrian Griffin, their head coach, is going to blow up in their face. Uh, they're not gelling. They're not good. Uh, the Bucks are going to, you know, you know, f- disappoint everyone. They're one game out of first place of the Eastern Conference behind the Celtics. I will say again, as always, after the show, you know, I'm cutting up the podcast and some of the audio. Yeah. And I hear Bill Michaels and Grant Bills, you know, Cutting up with the box. Yeah. 
And I did hear some kind of things that kind of perked up my ear where I'm like, oh, that's not good. Tell me more. And they were talking about Adrian Griffin. And they were talking about how he's been very open and flexible with making changes on the fly, listening to players. Yeah, but the change up his defensive schemes already. Yeah, I, I get that. And they were talking about how they, they wanted Brooke Lopez to drop more yeah, when they come yeah. off a pick and roll. Yeah. You know, Damian Lillard wanted to play the entire first quarter because that's what he did in Portland. He's comfortable with it. Like certain things that some of the players like, I get that. But then there's part of me that goes, if you're really not coming up with anything coaching wise and basically the players are telling you what they want to do and how it should be done. And you're just kind of the yes man saying, yep. Okay, cool. All right, let's try it. Blah, blah, blah. What are you there for? Uh, that's what I was just going to ask you, Rowdy. Like, like so, you have to have at least some of your own stuff on your own merit, right? Like, yeah. This yeah. is going to be my idea. We're going to do this. You know, I don't think this is working. Like Giannis picked you. Giannis had a hand in picking him. That scares me a little bit when all the positive changes have been by what players have said that they've wanted or recommended. The fact that none of your stuff has worked and you've easily just changed your opinion and, and mind and said, all right, let's try it, blah, blah, blah. That kind of wonders like, dude, I'm not a basketball coach, but I could do the same thing and be like, what do you guys think? I'm a Giannis yes man. Yeah. Like, because you're right on the on the Brooke Lopez. So he came in. And uh, tried to do a completely different different defensive scheme. And then the players were already bitching and moaning about it. And they're like, no, we don't want Brooke Lopez doing that. We don't want him coming up lower. So they already changed the defensive scheme to for Brooke Lopez. Well, my biggest thing is, why would, well, you be winning, trying, why would you be trying to tinker with and change the defense of, of Giannis and Brooke Lopez when they've been two of the guys that have been some of the best in the NBA yeah. up for defensive player of the year? I wouldn't be messing with anything they do on defense. The Bucks. When the Bucks last year, they were the, one of the best for the majority of the season, if not the best defensive team in the NBA. I don't know what you're trying to switch up here. Um, I know you got you know lost to a, an eight seed and bounced into the playoffs. I, it's well, the NBA, Rowdy. I don't know. Giannis and Lopez both top five in yeah. defensive player of the year. Yeah, I don't know why you'd want to change anything that they're doing. Just keep just it's thumbs up. Keep doing you. Keep, keep yeah. Keep shutting them down, Giannis, and keep having those blocks. Lopez. G-Dub logged on about eh, 20 minutes ago, and he goes, boys, can we all agree that watching the NBA in the Bucks is unbearable? Sure. I would say unbearable. It's not that hard to see. When I first turned it on, and I obviously I know that it was the in-season playoff tournament, whatever they want to call it. The court could be unbearable. (laughs) And I kind of forgot about the court, and I'm like, oh, my eyes, this red court. My eyes. It got a little easier to watch, but still. So... Well, I told Gene, was like, they don't, you could tell they don't care. Well, they care once the fourth know. quarter rolls around. Dude, like every starter and like the sixth man played like 30 minutes plus. Once, once the fourth quarter rolls around, then they're like, yeah, let's let's turn it up. Let's turn it up. If the Nassus isn't getting in the game, the Bucks cared a little bit. <laughs> so speaking of caring, and we were just talking about like, you know, sports and Terry's talking about conspiracy theories about people getting paid off. So integrity of the game. Yes, Roddy? That game last night. Dude, integrity. Seriously, integrity. Chris Middleton was getting cooked on defense. There were so many times where a dude hit a spin move, and Chris Middleton was just could not get to any spot, and it was he was useless. But <laughs> there was one. Brody's that plus I, minus. He's plus twenty on the court. There was one <laughs> where a guy drove to the hoop. I'm not sure if it was Chris Middleton or who it was. But they didn't call anything. The guy missed the layup, 
And then when the ball hit the ground, then the ref blew his whistle and called a foul. Integrity. It, it was literally like five seconds after the guy went up for a layup. Integrity. And I'm 100% sure that had that ball went in, that ref wouldn't have called a foul. <laughs> but because the ball did not fall in the hoop, they called a foul that late. Seems to go Reggie long. Miller was actually bitching about it on the broadcast, and then Shaq... Then Shaq was you, like joking with Reggie Miller, telling him to shut up. Shaq and a fool. Shaq and a fool. Well, how about this for for integrity? Integrity of the game. How the Bucks will take the, on the New York Knicks now because they advanced in the NBA in season tournament. They are now advanced to the knockout stage, and they'll play Tuesday and they'll host the wild card. Bucks are a one seed. Knicks are the four seed. So are these extra games now? They don't count. No, the, the only one that's extra is the championship one. Oh, it's I know it's. I'm pretty. I'm like 99 percent sure. So when do like, the extra games start? That's when we're not going to so, try. So do you remove? No, it all comes from the regular season. Uh, right, but too. not everybody makes it to the knockout round. So how do you, how do you make a schedule? But there's too many questions. RJ, don't question it. Sorry, don't just even accept try it. and think like, about it. China likes Roger, it. Okay? RJ, it makes sense if you don't think about it. Does okay? this just take like a game against whatever team don't, you're playing? You're asked, off again, the schedule? You're, you're just ask too many questions again. No, I need to know. No, you don't. RJ, you're caring about the NBA regular season. This is where you need to stop. It's not the regular season, though, Rowdy. It's the no, in-season it's tournament. The but it's also the regular season. Yeah. Don't ask questions. Just accept it. Just lay down and let it happen. Is this a tournament for ants? He just stayed at least. Two times. I heard LeBron is all in on winning the in-season tournament, so he can add it to his resume. Damian Lillard is all in on winning it all because you, the guys at the end of the bench, get like double their pay. Yeah. So he's he wants to make a payday for some of these guys that have less money. Anyways, <laughs> double your pay because if you win the tournament, you get like not everyone doubles their pay, but some of the guys at the end of the bench who get less money. What, yeah. Again, we're asking too many questions. The Bucks already doubled what the Nasses should be paid. Yeah, well, he's going to quadruple it. Well, now. listen to this. <laughs> the Knicks finished second in Group B behind the Bucks, but yep. after beating the Charlotte Hornets 115-91, to 91, the Knicks secured the sole wildcard spot in the Eastern Conference by a tiebreaker because of their point differential in the preliminary round. New York Knicks guard Josh Hart said after the contest last night that he's not fond of the idea because they want a tiebreaker because of the point score differential because the Knicks had to run up the score against the Hornets. Okay. The Knicks won 115-91. to 91. Knicks guard Josh Hart said he didn't like the concept because, quote, it was interesting, I don't really like it. We're focused, and then at first just about winning, but the last couple of minutes feel weird because at a certain point you have to start chasing points, and doing that all kind of messes with the integrity of the game. Integrity? So G-Dub is on here saying that the, the players don't care. Well, it sounds like they care because the Knicks had to run up the score in the Hornets to advance <laughs> to get to the wild card for the NBA in-season tournament. But after the game, he oh, says oh, it's man. messing with integrity. Integrity I don't know in the exactly game. how that would be messing with the integrity if you're that much better and you can score. 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 Right? The other you're professionals. They're, they're professional. all professionals. Yeah. Like Even in college, run up the score. I don't care. Plus, you're, you're basically is, professional now. You get NIL money. What was the score of that game? 115 to 91. That's not running up the score. You still ended up with a 42-point differential. <laughs> well, that's not bad. One of the big things in the NBA is Integrity. these guys, when they're going up and down the court, because, you know, the shot clock's only 24 seconds, they're going up and down the court. How many times in the NBA do you see 10 points scored in, like, a minute? 
Just back and forth. All the time. And you tell me that they lost by 25, roughly? Because they had to run up the score at the end. They're chasing points at the end. And, quote, it's messing with the integrity of the game, says the guy who won and moved on in the tournament. The Lakers had a 74-point differential. Like, you're... Who? Shut up. So you can't... uh, Let's see. uh, Jalen Brown for the Celtics, and you've got to respect your opponents. He is on the line of the the integrity. No, you don't. There's there's if there's there a bad a time, team out there, beat the punish them. heck out of them. Punish there him. comes a time where you're a professional. You're you have to respect yourself. Finish him. Hey guys, we're gonna take the night off because we're playing a very bad team. We're gonna take it easy on them so they don't get hurt. Integrity. That's what he's saying. There's no integrity in what he's saying. <laughs> There's no integrity. There is no integrity. Like, I get it. If they would have been up by like 30 points with two minutes left and they, they're like, all right, let's put in, let's put in the backups. I'd love to hear a New York Knicks fan who hasn't seen success in like 30 some <laughs> odd years. Listen to this and be like, Spike Lee, what are you talking about? Dude? Spike Lee cares Go about the integrity. Win. integrity. No, he has. He made choke signs to Reggie Miller when he was uh, when he was sitting courtside, and Reggie Miller went right in his face. We need to circle back to this. Who cares? It's the regular season. This is no, Roddy. It's the NBA in season tournament. That counts for the regular season. (laughs) That counts for the regular season. Actually, I'm standing up for what was it, Josh Hart? Yeah, I'm standing up for Hart. No one cares. It's the NBA regular season. He said you can't. You can't. Tell me anything different. He said we have to. Res- he said we have to respect the integrity of the game and respect your opponent. Yeah, no, you don't. I feel like we were trying to score, but also respect the game. If if <laughs> respect the game, turn it on in April. If sports, <laughs> if sports was about respect, they wouldn't be keeping record. They'd put a score limit on there. Everyone ended a time. Yeah, and there'll be sunshine you'd, and butterflies and unicorns. You'd have a certain point total to get to, and integrity. And once you got to above a certain score, like point differential, they'd stop the game. I'll be honest That's with respect. you. Respect. I've watched respect a lot name. of the in-season tournament it's electric. for one reason and one reason only. You like the courts. Can't get enough of them. The they put them on national TV. The different, <laughs> they the put them on national jerseys. TV. And what am I going to do on a Tuesday night? What else is on? Yeah, when there's yeah, there no Badger basketball. Oh, there's there's no a rerun Badger of Gladiator? Yeah. Obviously, there's no or NFL. Gladiators? American Gladiators? There's not a whole lot going on but the NBA right now, right. especially last night. Bravehearts on or NBA in-season tournament on Tuesday? What are you watching? There's some college basketball, isn't there? I will put on the in-season tournament. Oh. Not freedom. But, like, that's the thing. It's I actually watch more of the in-season tournament because they actually put them on national TV so you can watch them because Bally Sports is such a failed entity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yesterday afternoon, Raylan Allen said, you know what? I'm doing it. I was going to say, you're not that far out of the loop. It's not like it happened two weeks ago. No, it's not even a, a whole day yet, Dougie. So, yeah, Braylon Allen going to the NFL draft. Uh, let's see here. Mel Kuyper has him as the 10th best running back in this upcoming spring's draft. I think Brody. Zach Halper nailed it when we were talking to him uh, yesterday about Braylon Allen potentially declaring for the NFL draft, being a fourth, fifth-round pick. That's totally where I would have said I would have slotted him. Yeah. Probably like early fifth round is what I was thinking. I saw someone also have a hot take that Braylon Allen will succeed greatly in the NFL, and he'll be a pro bowler by year two, three as a linebacker. <laughs> Interesting. I, I feel like he's not going back at uh, I think he's staying as a running back. At this point, I think he's staying as a running back. Yeah, he was uh, hanging out with Derrick Henry over the offseason, uh, trying to get you know uh, Derrick Henry's diet 
you know, practicing with him, trying to model his game after him. I don't know, Rowdy, despite, what is he, 20 years old? He turns 20 in January. Wow. 19 years old? There's a lot of mileage on that body, though, already, isn't there? I well, mean, it's, and it all started with COVID of 2020. Remember, he was still in high school. Yeah. And that was when 17 he... 17 years old! Yeah, that was when he played the spring season and then rolled that into his first year with the Wisconsin Badgers in the fall. So he never really got any time off from his body. You know, his body never got any time off. He played in the spring, then went into fall, or I guess it would be summer, but it was, you know, camps and practices with Wisconsin Badgers, then played in the fall, became the running back, blah, blah, blah. He basically played two football seasons in one. Yep. Feels like his body never got a break from that and really never 100%, you know, healed up or stayed healthy after that. Now, is it because maybe he's younger? I don't know. He looks pretty mature for a guy that's 19 years old. Uh, Right. Uh, Was it playing two football seasons in one calendar year? Maybe. Has it been bad luck? Maybe. But uh, it felt like he was a guy that needed to get to the NFL because, yeah, he's had a lot of mileage on that body. Yeah, Zach said what is, I don't think it was how he would make his draft stock any higher. Coming back next yeah, year. Yeah, I don't. And, I don't see that either. So good for him. Get your money. Can you imagine? You're 19 years old and you just cleared for the NFL draft, and you're forgoing your your last year. You're like, yep, I'm not even 20 yet, dude, and I'm going to the NFL. It's, well, the Packers had a guy like that. UCLA, Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark, when he was, uh, he wasn't even 21. I don't think when he, he was still in classes when the Packers drafted him. Yeah, he would. He would have been about a year older than yeah. what Braylon Allen was. I, I, I don't know what the youngest guy drafted is. Uh, um. Don't quote me, but Amobia Koye for the Houston Texans, he was young as hell. Why don't you have a seat? Have a seat right here. You have to look him up. Yeah. Um, 19. He, like, he, was, he was like so smart that he had moved up like a grade or two, and he was good and physically very mature for his age. I want to say he was like. Yeah, here you go. Oh, yep. Uh, what made history is the youngest player ever drafted in the NFL in 2007 at the age of 19. Uh, yeah, he was a freak. He was like a freak mentally and physically. He was like a really smart dude. Yeah, yeah. Wow, there's a lot of stuff on this guy. The youngest player to ever be drafted. The 10th overall pick. In I want to say he was like so smart that he like skipped like multiple grades. <laughs> and then he also had the body to go with it where it's like, wow, not only is this guy like a genius, but he's built like a 35-year-old man at 15. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures of him. He does look like a th- he's got that 30, he's got that man body. Um, wow, look at that guy. He's a big boy. Texans from 07 to uh, 2010 on the Bears one year. I think he played at Louisville. Uh, yeah, right. Good job, Brody. 2003 to 2006, Louisville. Look at that. Uh, which Saturday? Cards up. Cards up, bears down. Because he played for the Bears, too. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Go to Braylon Allen now. Braylon Allen declares for the NFL draft yesterday. I think we all kind of figured that was coming, right? Like, you know, we already talked what Zach said yesterday, saying that, like, I don't think his draft stock's going to get any higher. We all figured Braylon Allen was going to the NFL, yes? Yeah. Right? 100%. Yeah. And I, like I said, I said this earlier in the show, I always thought he was a fourth, fifth round pick. Zach Halpern said that yesterday. Took the words right out of my mouth. I don't really think he gets into a top 100 pick coming back. If anything, it's just more wear and tear on his body, carrying the football the way that Wisconsin needs him to carry the football. Mm -hmm. This is the best decision for Braylon Allen. 100%. Yeah. So he finishes with 3,494 yards. That's ninth most in school history, trailing only Melvin Gordon among runners from the state of Wisconsin. So he's second from the state. His 35 touchdowns rank outside the top 10 while his per-carry average of 5.9 is uh, fourth all-time. 
When you think of Wisconsin running backs, where does Braylon Allen rank for you guys? I mean, is it right there with his stats, ninth in the yardage overall? Like, do you think he's a top ten all time running back? I don't for think Wisconsin? he can. There's no way in my mind he can get into the top three at Wisconsin. No, yeah, there's, there's no zero way. shot at yeah. top three. Maybe you could argue top five. I don't know. I feel like there's so many guys. That's the thing. That's a good problem to have, right? Yeah. 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 Since what? We'll just say 1990, since Barry Alvarez took over, there's so many guys that you can say, how about this guy? Let's throw out this guy. Uh, What about this name? But there's no way that he touches Ron Dane, Melvin Gordon, and Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, and Braylon Allen, 16 yards short of running for at least 1,000 yards in his first three seasons. Only two other backs have done that, Ron Dane and Jonathan Taylor. I mean, 16 yards short. A couple other ones you can throw out there. I think people would have more high regard for Brent Moss. Only because he played in a, a Rose Bowl, uh, people of a certain age will have a uh, higher regard for Billy Merrick from the early '70s because uh, he was one of your first, really, like guy who went for a thousand yards more than one season. Um, but yeah, you, you since like Alvarez took over, it's really one of those where you, you can, can name the guy who yeah. was like the three-year starter for every any given three years. Yeah, like just. Think about some of the guys like Michael Bennett was a really good running back and played the NFL. Now, obviously, he came right after Ron Dane didn't necessarily have the staying power where he was like he was there for three, four years where he was a starter. But how about James White? Yeah. How about Monte Ball? Yeah. I mean, Corey Clement. Not that I'm going to throw him in a top five, but he was a solid, good player. Like there was a ton of them. Anthony Davis. Yeah. No. Okay. Let me ask you guys we this. We had Carl McCullough, who was a good running back in his own right, and then all of a sudden, Ron Dane shows up, and you're like, well, What's the closest crap. comp for Braylon Allen? Hill. What's the closest comp for Braylon Allen? Like uh, John Clay? John Clay. John Clay or P.J. Hill. Yeah. Yeah. John Brian Clay. Calhoun. Now, he yeah. was a transfer, but. <clears throat> yeah. That yeah, still counts. So, Wisconsin, obviously, it's different now with Luke Fickle here. It's a whole different Wisconsin football is not what it once was. It's completely changed now. Yeah. Wisconsin's always been able to reload on defense and reload with running backs. Yeah. Well, I mean, with Allen now gone, there's uncertainty around Ches Malusi if they use a six year, um, you know, to come back. The Badgers running back room includes scholarship backs of Jackson Aker, uh, Yacomelli, and Nate White. What are we nervous about the running back position moving forward? Yes. Yeah, but they have two guys coming in that are pretty solid recruits Three. that are highly regarded. But they're going to be true freshmen. Yeah, so it's going to definitely be a very young room. It's going to be very inexperienced. Maybe they're going to go grab somebody for a portal for one year in the transfer portal. Too, Maybe yeah. Ches Malusi comes back. I think Ches I think Malusi does. does come back. Yeah. yeah, he. That guy's. I feel bad for that guy. Every, how many three years in a row now? Mm-hmm. Braylon Allen has been dinged up, but he's been able to play. He, he doesn't feel like a guy that can actually you know, improve his value. He feels like he's a pretty sturdy non top 100 pick. Yeah. So he's outside of the first three rounds. But if you look at like a Ches Malusi, when you watch him play, whether he was at Clemson or Wisconsin, he showed burst. He showed yeah. that he could, you know, block and protect in the backfield. He can go out for a pass. He could arguably do things. Maybe that would be asked in the NFL slightly more than Braylon Allen could, but he's been hurt almost every single year since he's left Clemson. Yeah. Yep. He almost has to come back and prove that he can stay healthy before getting 
I don't want to say drafted because he doesn't feel like a guy that would maybe be drafted, drafted. If we're talking Braylon Allen's like a fourth, fifth round pick, Ches Malusi would be like maybe a seventh, but he's a guy that would catch on. Would, mm-hmm. it, would this technically be his, uh, could it be a medical red shirt or is it just a red shirt? Cause he only played in four games. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I think he had to be, I think he has to go through the medical waiver because he's played so many years. This was his fifth year. And he only played in four games. And he gets a COVID year because he started he in 2019. No, I don't know. I don't know his played, exact. Played 12 games in 2019 as a freshman. Played 10 games in 2020, uh, the COVID year. So you still get a year there. Yep. Played in nine games in 2021. Played in nine games in 2022. Gets his COVID year, I guess. Or is this his redshirt year? I don't know. I think it's uh, probably and, either or. And played four games. So I think no matter what, he can come back. Yeah, and I no, think yeah. it he, doesn't need the medical waiver. And, and I think he hasn't done enough. Like, he needs to show, and especially this year, we named the running backs that are going to be around. Yeah. Clearly, he would he, be the he's best. your number one. And look at what his entire career has been. Remember, he was behind Travis Etienne in, at Clemson for a year or two. Yeah. Travis Etienne was, you know... A big, was it first, second round pick for Jacksonville out of Clemson? He then comes and plays, you know, first, second fiddle with Braylon Allen. And he's gotten hurt. Mm-hmm. He, he almost feels like he needs to prove that he can be the guy. He can stay healthy. But I really do think Ches Malusi could play in the NFL. Do I think he's going to be some pro bowler? No, but he'll stick. Yeah. He'll play a little bit. Yeah. I think it's in his best interest to come back. Totally. Not only because of the inexperience on the roster, but because of his future. He can't go to the NFL right now. If he went to the NFL right now, I feel like he'd be like an A.J. Taylor, where he just kind of washed out. Yeah. yeah. Now, obviously, A.J. Taylor had a little bit of a, a different type of career because he messed up his knee with no eligibility left, and then he had to rehab. and yeah. So it's a little bit of a different situation. But I think if A.J. Taylor would have had like an extra year, I think we might have saw him stick on a practice squad or something like a what Kendrick Pryor, Danny Davis did. Had some tryouts, was on a practice squad, blah, blah, blah. Instead, he just vanished. Hey, Danny yeah. Davis caught a touchdown pass preseason for the Packers. Sure did. Sure did. Uh, I'll, I have another uh, Wisconsin oh, question coming up for you guys. Speaking of which, yeah. uh, since the draft started, I think, or since 1937, I forget when the actual draft was, but that was the first year a Badger was uh, drafted by the Packers. 39 Badgers have been drafted by the Packers. Five since the turn of the century. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we celebrated. Oh, no. and we also forgot one, Cole Van Lannen. Cole Van Lannen in 2021. Yeah. Yep. I have another Badger question for you guys. Coming He's up. still playing, by the way. Where's, where's he, he at now? He's on the injury report because I was just looking at injury reports last night. So the college football playoffs, the new poll is out. And what's... Uh, you got goes, a new top four. Georgia? Georgia one, Michigan, Michigan moves up to two, Washington, Washington moving up to three, Florida and State, Florida State moving up to four. How if that was today? How would Florida State fare? See, this is the thing. I'm so torn on this because I'm a guy where I hate the people that say, "Oh, we need to find the four best teams." Blah blah blah. Because that's always like, well, Georgia, Alabama are going to be in there. Yeah. You're going to take the two best teams from the SEC because we know. That's how they recruit. If you're going to take the four best teams, why wouldn't you just look at, you know, like 
the teams that are up there in the top 10 and then whoever has the best draft classes over the last four years, those would be on paper your huh. best four teams, right? Oh, be good, it would yeah. be the same almost four, five, six teams every single year. It's no fun. So when Florida State has a 12-0 and type season, they run the table. You want to see a team that earned it get in there. Yeah. It sucks that Jordan Travis busted his leg up. Ugh, nasty. Because now clearly that team is not as good as it is with him playing. And I still feel like if Florida State goes 13-0 and and beats Louisville, they still deserve to be in there. Even though he's not there, what are you going to tell the rest of the team that uh, t- just because crap. that their star quarterback got hurt, that their 13-0 and doesn't mean anything? Yeah, you, that'd be unfair. Exactly. It's like... That's why I'm torn. That's why in a perfect world, Louisville will beat Florida State, and then we won't have to see the college football playoff committee put them in. But if they go 13-0, and how do you leave them out? Yeah. Well, now, then there's – you would sit off air. What about Texas getting jobbed? Dude, Texas is getting so screwed. Like you – somehow they're seventh. They're 11-1. and one. Their one loss was to the rival Oklahoma, which in that – Rivalry, the Red River shootout. I mean, I guess you can't say shootout anymore. No, the you Red can. River rivalry. No, shootout, shootout. Like, that's one They game, even said it on the broadcast. Look by at the way. what they did. They went into Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama by 10. Yeah. And you could argue that without a touchdown late by Alabama, they were going to win by three scores. That's a dominant performance against Alabama. I don't see how Texas is behind the states of like Ohio. Or Oregon, dude, Oregon being as high as they are is ridiculous. Like, I get it. That's a good team. They should have beat Washington. They didn't, though. What if? Who has Oregon beaten, dude? What if? Okay, so all the conference championship games this week are going to have some big implications, right? Here's here's who Oregon's best wins are. They beat Utah without Cam Rising, and Utah was 13 at the time, and it was in Utah, which is a super tough place to play. Yep. But their quarterbacking was nowhere near what Cam Rising was. And that team obviously didn't have the finish to the season that the Pac-12 would have liked it to. They beat Oregon State, who they're still ranked. But other than that... What about Colorado? Yeah, Colorado was ranked (laughs) at the time. They won four games this year. What about Colorado? So Texas has the better strength of schedule. Texas has the better top win at Alabama, who's in the top eight, versus... Right now, Oregon's best win would be home against Oregon State. And and they have a common opponent. It's Texas Tech. Yeah. Oregon won by eight. Texas blew out Texas Tech by 50. How How is Texas not higher than Oregon? Texas is getting absolutely jobbed, and I am by no means a hook'em Texas hook guy. Okay, cool. Hook and em. you know who else is screwing themselves? And I've said this what, probably a few years now on these airwaves. It's the Big Ten for being dummies. Yeah. For keeping the divisions the way they are with Michigan and Ohio State both being in the East. Imagine what Ohio State would be thinking if they're sitting there sixth where they're at, but them and Michigan were the two best teams in the Big Ten. They got a rematch with Michigan. It would be the exact same scenario that Oregon is in with Washington. Because the committee is basically saying right now, Oregon, if you beat Washington, you're in. What if... But Ohio State's stuck. Ohio State can't move now. No, yeah, they're not playing. They're not playing. They don't have the opportunity to avenge their loss to Michigan. They're going to stay at six. Texas is going to hop them with a win. Alabama would hop them with a win. What if Alabama beats Georgia? See, that's the other thing. 
I think looking at this year's college football playoff, there's legitimately eight teams that if you told me one of these eight could win it, I would say, okay, I believe you. There's no dominant Georgia team like the last two years. I think Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida State, Florida State with Jordan Travis, Oregon, Ohio State, Texas, Alabama, all eight of those teams, if healthy, could win it. I think Missouri, Penn State, Ole Miss, Oklahoma, they're just they're just off. Yeah. They, they couldn't they couldn't actually win it. They're teams that would just miss. They're just right on the edge. But man, we have some interesting things because if Alabama beats Georgia and Oregon beats Washington, Florida State wins against Louisville, mm-hmm. who's getting in? But it's chaos then, right? Okay, well, did you see what's coming out now? That um so the twelve team playoff format? I hate it. You know I hate the 12-team format. Uh, they Here's how it works. So the format rules six auto bids to the highest-ranked conference champs, six at-large bids to the next highest-ranked teams, top four champs get buys, and then the five and eight seeds host on-campus first-round games. So as of right now, Georgia, Michigan, Washington, and Florida State would have a buy. Your other team is competing. Um, it would be Alabama. Or it would be Texas versus Penn State. To take out Michigan, you would have uh, – sorry, I'm going to blow this thing up here. Then you would have um, Ohio State taking on Ole Miss to the right to play Washington. And then you would have um, Oregon taking on um, – would it be Tulane as a 12 seed? Yeah, Tulane is right now the best uh, group of five school. And then the last one would be uh, – I just lost it. It would be Alabama taking on um, as an eight seed. And they would be taken on, it would be uh, Mizzou, Missouri. So, okay. To take on Georgia. In that scenario, you know who's licking their chops? Ohio State. Yeah. Because Ohio State, would you say they get to play? Ole Miss. Ole Miss, which is a team I think they beat. It would be in Columbus. Then they would get to play Washington, as is. Washington doesn't have a defense. uh, Ohio State does. Plus, they still have guys like Marvin Harrison Jr. Like, they have big-time players on offense. That would set up really, really nice for Ohio State to win a couple games and see what they can do from there. I don't like the 12. I think eight is the number. I think you take your your five power five schools, you have the group of five champion or the highest ranked team, but I think you have to throw like a uh, an asterisk next to it. You'll take the group of five best team, which would be like a Tulane right now, if if they're in the top 20. Sure. Because if they're not in the top 20, do they really deserve to be in a top eight, top 50, you know, no. top 12? No. I don't know. Like, there are some years, like, think about some of the years in the past that the group of five have had some really good teams, like your Boise States of the world that beat, like, in Oklahoma. Like, those type of group five teams can compete and win. Like, Cincinnati, a couple of years with Luke Fickle and, and Desmond Ritter, that team deserved to be there. Were they maybe a top four team? Eh, I don't know. Probably could have put them fifth or sixth, and people went to bitched about it. But in a in an eight team format, I think you have the five power five champions. You have your group of five if they're in the top twenty, and then you have two at large bids. And if that group of five isn't in the top twenty, then you have three at large bids. I I think twelve's too much because I can't see Oklahoma winning this thing if if they'd be the twelve. So our former employee here, Ben Kenny, tweeted out the. The uh, the twelve team format, and he said this is ruining the sport. You and Ben Kenny, right there on the same wavelength again, ruining the sport. I think four, 
you can look at it almost any given year, and I think that the five and six seeds really do have like arguments, and they should have been in the top four. I just don't think 9, 10, 11, 12, even some years 7 or 8 really have a claim on it. Like, look at look at the top 8 right now. I said earlier that I think anyone from the top 8, if in theory we're in the you know a, a playoff of 8, could win. Sure. I wouldn't be surprised. But, do you, I don't, Missouri had a good year. But guess what? They lost to LSU and Georgia. Yeah, they're 10 and 2. Penn State had a good year. They lost two. to Michigan and Ohio State. Yep. Like all these teams had two losses and they're beatable. The only teams without two losses in the last of the top 25 would be, um, it was Tulane and then, um, Liberty who's 12 and 0. Yeah. And if we're talking about on merit, then maybe Liberty deserves to be in there. They're undefeated. Never lost. And I could see SMU beating Tulane. Then all of a sudden it would be Liberty. Do we think Liberty is really going to give some of these Teams a, no. a real challenge. Like, look at Old Miss. They're 11th. They lost to Georgia, and they lost to Alabama already. And, oh, by the way, they lost by two scores to Alabama, and they got absolutely drubbed by Georgia, 52-17. to 17. They're not a threat. Yeah, two, Oklahoma has two losses. Tulane yeah, they beat Liberty. Texas. They lost to Kansas and Oklahoma State. Would Tulane at 11-1 and one give anyone some run? No. Yeah. No, this isn't the same team that beat USC last year. Caleb Williams had his best season last year. Yeah, they beat USC. USC clearly didn't want to be playing in that bowl game because they had higher aspirations. Tulane had Tajay Spears, who's now the backup to Derrick Henry. Uh, Pratt was healthy, their quarterback. He hasn't been healthy this year. The team's not as good, but they're still one of the better you know, group of five teams. They, they're not competing. It's literally just the eight teams. And I don't even know if in those eight teams, if Florida State's really a competitor because of the loss of Jordan Travis. Yeah, a different team without him. Well, But we have so much stuff that's going to play out over this week. Yeah, weekend. this week is going to be wild. Think about if uh, somehow Michigan loses to Iowa. I was just going to ask you this. Oregon beats Washington. Louisville beats Florida State. And Bama beats Georgia. What the hell is going to happen? Chaos. RJ says James Madison at 11 and 1 would do damage if they were allowed to. See, I still. Dude, James Madison's low key good, and they've been good. It's so dumb that they don't let him in because it's the probation thing, right? Yeah, they're on their second year of probation moving from double A to single A college football, and they're not allowed. They should have been in the Sun Belt championship game last year, but they weren't allowed to play. They had the best record in the Sun Belt. Now, this year, I believe they're a top team in the Sun Belt but are unable to play in the conference championship game. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. I, I I can't see Michigan losing to Iowa. No. That's not going to happen. I think that's closer to a 50 to nothing score than Iowa winning. <laughs> but um, what if? But I could see Bama finding a way to beat Georgia. This is the most vulnerable team that Georgia's had the last couple years. Yeah. Um, Washington, Oregon feels like a coin flip. I actually think. It's more than a coin flip. I think Oregon's better than Washington, but we'll see what happens. Florida State, just please lose to Louisville so we have less <laughs> chaos and it makes it easier. But I really do think that Ohio State and the Big Ten is screwing itself by having divisions because Ohio State, in my opinion, would be very live to make the top four if they avenge their loss to Michigan in a championship game. And think about how crazy that would be. The week before you lose at Michigan, 
Then you come back the next week and beat them in Indianapolis. Yeah, I mean, well, okay. Well, let's say that's it, not going to happen. But if it does, Iowa beats Michigan. Where does Iowa? Do, what does Iowa do? Uh, they get ready for the Rose Bowl. <laughs> oh no, that wouldn't even be the Rose Bowl's a playoff game this year. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. would get ready for like the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. See, here's the thing: what would have happened if Cooper DeGene wasn't called for that fake fair catch where he was telling guys yeah. to get out of the way? Yeah, they would have beaten Minnesota. Their only loss would have been to a top 10 Penn State. And then they would have beaten number two Michigan. Like, it's not pretty, but they would have been 12 and one. And they would have been the Big Ten champ. Can you deny them? If in that scenario, it, it feels like that would be a year where the Big Ten gets left out. Yeah. But I would be so, so distraught if they did beat Michigan. And they were a twelve and one team, and Michigan was twelve and one. But Iowa beat them head to head in the championship game, and like a Michigan got in over them. It would be more chaos, which we're here for. So that, I mean, this like, week, I feel like head to head has to mean something. Yeah, but again, you got people in a committee picking. You know, where that's where I would be completely okay with it. I think if Alabama get uh, beats Georgia, if there's no SEC teams. I, I'd be fine with it. Sure. I, do, I don't know if the SEC deserves to have a team in the top four if Bama beats Georgia. That would be incredible to hear the takes coming out of SEC country if oh, that happens. Paul Feinbaum, oh, he'd be he li- would rip the small amount of hair still I'll on his head. The, the, whatever's left of the lost colony on his hair, of his head, would fall out. Seriously, no if Bama beats Georgia, I don't know if the SEC deserves to have a team. We'll say Michigan wins. We'll say Washington wins. And Florida State wins. Texas, Texas, in my opinion, like oh. let's just say that happens real quick. Yeah, they lose to Alabama. Michigan beats Iowa. Washington beats Oregon, and Florida State beats Louisville. Texas is seven. Alabama is eight. Texas will have a win over Oklahoma, who's twelve. Alabama will beat number one Georgia. But. But but Texas beat Alabama in Alabama head to head. How can you put Alabama ahead of Texas? <laughs> that you're just telling me that those early games in the season that we all love, the top 25 matchups don't matter then. Yeah. Because yeah. Texas beat them and they beat them on their own turf. Well, Brody, we'll see what happens this weekend, eh? With the chaos. I'm rooting for no SEC teams. That would be awesome. The Paul Feinbaum takes. All right, we'll take a little break, come back. What about this? Yeah. Georgia loses to Alabama. We have Louisville beat Florida State. I don't really care what happens between Washington and Oregon, but one of those two teams get in, and somehow we have like a Michigan. We'll just say Michigan, Washington, Texas, Ohio State. Ooh. Rowdy, you just want you want chaos, and I love it. I'm here for it. Yesterday at this time, we were talking a little Brewers. Uh, rumors are that. The crew might not trade Corbin Burns or a Willie Adamas. And the news coming out yesterday, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers are talking with their top outfield prospect, Jackson Cheerio, about a landmark contract. You see this? It was like an eight-year deal worth some like big-time money. Um, Cheerio, who is, does not even turn 20 until March 11th, you know, one of the top two prospects in the game, uh, Brewers are going to, what was like the verbiage of here, a franchise kind of steering move here of Cheerio. Yeah, and it's interesting because 
There have the Brewers have done this with other players, but not to this level. So if you look at some of the players that they've done this with in the past, Freddie Peralta, after that one decent season, they extended him and gave him a nice little deal where now in 2024, he's making less than six million or the next two years following that he's making eight million in its club options. So that's very affordable price on a Freddie Peralta talent type pitcher. Same thing they did with Aaron Ashby. He's making about one and a half million this upcoming year, but he's under contract for the next five years. And it's relatively team friendly, especially when you saw the talent that both him and Freddie both had. If they just stay healthy in the future, those are really good deals for the team. We've seen the Braves absolutely execute these type of deals with their young talent, locking them up super early after them. Uh, showing promise in the big leagues, but that's the one big thing here. All these teams that have done that and have done it successfully, they've seen these guys play in the big leagues before. This is such a gamble for yeah. the Brewers if they do this. We've never seen Jackson Cheerio play a big league baseball game. He's not even he's not even twenty. Uh, this would be let's see here, um, investing in their next wave of talent at a time when they're open to trades for Burns, Adamas, and Devin Williams. And that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like, this is such a huge gamble because we've never seen him play at the big league level. Obviously, there's growing pains at every single level. That's why guys aren't drafted right away, and then the next thing you know, they're playing in the big leagues. It takes superstars to do that. So, Cheerio, the youngest player to appear at AA in 2023, uh, most of the season at that level, batted 280, 22 home runs, and an OPS of 803. Finished the year AAA national, batting 333 with no homers, and an 851 OPS and just 24 plate well, appearances. This kid did stuff at the high A level two years ago when he was 18 that only people like, I believe it was Bryce Harper, Wander Franco. Uh, it, was a, it was a number of players that were superstars today or in Wander Franco's case, looked like he was on the trajectory to be a really, really nice, you know, all-star type caliber player until the, the off the field stuff. Yeah. But everyone that was listed and it, it, it was a short list. There was only like four players that had done this. It was like hall of famers, Bryce Harper, who's going to be a hall of famer, Wander Franco and Jackson Cheerio. So he put up crazy numbers. Then you look at what he did at double a at his age. And again, it was a short list of yeah. guys. Once again, Bryce Harper was on the list. Those type of players, he's doing it at that age. Crazy. So, Which means it's looking like he's a can't-miss prospect. He's going to be the next guy in the outfield. But let's look at the Brewers' outfield situation right now. You're paying Christian Yelich $26 million a year, and you have him under contract for at least the next five years. Other guys in the outfield that are still under contract, obviously Garrett Mitchell is pre-arb. Yep. You have Sal Freelich, who's one of your top prospects that's pre-arb. Don't forget Joey Weimer is still there, pre-arb. Uh, you go to a guy that has officially hit arbitration this year, Tyrone Taylor. Like all all of those guys outside of maybe Joey Weimer have been major league caliber outfielders, and they're all young outside of Tyrone Taylor. So five players have signed long-term before their major league debuts. I'll give you the list. White Sox outfielder Luis Robert, Mariners first baseman Evan White, White Sox outfielder Eloy Jimenez, Phillies infielder Scott Kingery, and Astros first baseman John Singleton. Which of those guys are good? Uh, 
It's the two White Sox. Yeah, I'll say Jimenez. And then Roberts. Luis Roberts. Uh, those two guys, those contracts make sense. Scott Kingery, meh. He's a he's a average baseball player at the major league level at best. Uh John Singleton, he was on the Brewers. Yeah. He was he was a huge prospect for the Astros. That was a big power hitter, obviously. He fell flat on his face. He was in the remember there was that um we had that note when he came up for the big uh, to the big leagues yes. with the Brewers again. It yeah. was the longest time between like at bats. Yeah, I remember for, that. I don't remember the exact stat, but it's risky. So Cheerio would be potentially the sixth, and he would also be the highest paid if it happens. And that's why I'm I'm saying it's a huge gamble because when you look at teams like the Braves that did this with like Acuna Jr. who just won the MVP. They already saw him play a year or two before they signed this deal, so they knew what he could do against big league baseball. They knew the player he was becoming. We haven't seen this with Jackson Chirio, and I have a feeling if they're going to make a move like this, it's risky. It's a but deal. what are you going to do with Yelich? Because Yelich is making a lot of money, and, and for a small market Brewers team that might be going into a rebuild here, yeah. if you fork, fork over an eight-year deal to a Jackson Chirio, I'm going to guess that... If it's eight years, he's going to get like $64 million a year. It's a, the, the deal is optimism, the deal targeted around eight years. If it, it, I would just guess it would be around $65 million. That's that ultimately becomes one of the bigger brewer contracts right now. Like, and again, the big gamble. Cause if he stinks now you're on the hook for paying Yelich five more years at 26 million. And you're, you're paying a kid that you never saw before in the next, you know, eight years, 65 million. And maybe he's turns out to be nothing like for a small market team. Risky. It's risky. Now it worked out well with Freddie Peralta, Ashby still TBD, but plenty of time to figure out if it was worth it or not. If they get the left-handed Corbin Burns that they believed Ashby was, Mm -hmm. he was starting to pitch pretty good after those first couple of starts when he came up and was at 2021. Yeah. What was his injury again? Uh, it was his shoulder. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's like since those really good starts in 2021, Aaron Ashby had a very unlucky 2022 and then injury riddled 2023 where he was he was hurt in 2022 and then into 2023. Rolling the dice, baby. I feel like if you make this type of move, you got to change something in your outfield because clearly you're not going to keep Yelich. You're not going to keep... Keep Cheerio, Freelick, Mitchell, Weimer. That's five guys for three spots. Well, if you go by the GM meetings instead of everyone's up for sale. And if you're talking about everyone's up for sale and you're going into a rebuild, my money would be if they could find a partner for Yelich. Yeah, yeah. You'd want to get out of that contract. You know, Man, there you go. A little more Brewers action, and we'll get more because things are just starting to heat up a little bit. And I'm not against. I'm Right now, I'm not against this Cheerio deal. I'm just saying it's risky. He's good, though. Because... Every level that he's played at, A ball, double A, and triple A, he's doing things that only a handful of guys have ever done, and all of them became great big leaguers. And like I said, most of them Hall of Famers. Yeah. So if you're going to gamble, gamble on a guy that's putting up those numbers. But just remember, as a small market, it is a gamble. You don't want to come up snake eyes.